Welcome to yet another episode of Turning On, the podcast dedicated to our pursuit to living a life in a state of turn on, to truly step into our most pleasure-filled selves, which in my humble opinion is our natural state of being. My name is Elizabeth and you have maybe already listened to a few earlier episodes of this podcast. Uh, And the difference between those episodes and this one is that this is my first solo episode. I will not be having a guest on the show today. The show. (laughs) Uh, It's just going to be me. And uh, I'm going to be real with you. I'm a little bit nervous. I've been a little bit nervous about doing my first own solo episode because although I love and really enjoy um, all the beauty that comes out of these episodes where I've got people uh, coming to share their stories, their wisdom, their life's work, uh, and I really enjoy the the back and forth that develops there. At the same time, I've also uh, at least admitted to myself that uh, doing something by myself, how scary, uh, however scary I might feel it is, it is important for me to step into that growth edge and for me to allow you the opportunity to um, learn some of my story and learn some of the things that I've got to potentially teach you as a sex coach. And I thought there is no better way to start off my first solo episodes um, than to share with you the five codes to leveling up your sexuality. Some of you that follow me online may have known that I recently hosted a masterclass all around this topic, and I had such a great time preparing that masterclass and giving the masterclass and connecting with people during and after that. Um, So I also just felt like the the juiciness that came out of that masterclass was too good not to share with you all on a wider platform. So here I am, uh, and I hope this uh, gives you just as much value as it did me, because these codes truly are, I'd say, the summary of all that I have learned in my just about five years of going on a sexual reclamation journey. And the beauty of these codes is also that you can apply them to your own life right now, like tomorrow, without any external intervention. And that's also how I did a large part of my journey is just by myself. Uh, And that was very empowering for me. And I wish that same sense of empowerment on you. So for you to get the opportunity to start your journey into reclaiming your pleasure and finding your voice, uh, allowing in more connection and love and pleasure uh, as a result. So let me share with you a little bit more about me and how these codes came into being. So... When I was young, I've shared on the podcast before, like my sexual debut um, and my first relationship, and generally that that was a very positive experience. Um, There was a little moment when uh, the first time 
my uh, then boyfriend like grabbed towards my nether regions. Uh, I yelled out no very loudly and then told him afterwards. He apologized, of course. Uh, and then afterwards we had a chat and I decided it was time for us to have regular little conversations to evaluate where we both are because I didn't like these surprises. And um, in that I see a quite grown up uh, an adult way of, of handling and navigating these, these new playgrounds. Mm. And one day he expressed that he was ready and I said, okay, I am not. And then a few weeks later I was. And there you have it. That was my my first sexual experience with intercourse, at least. Um, and at the time, I remember feeling quite empowered. I had a nice relationship. I was really enjoying exploring sex. And even when that relationship ended, it ended super amicably. And I think that sense of empowerment kind of stayed with me at the end of high school and going into uni. So then when I uh, went into uni, uh, went into uni, when I started going to uni, I at some point while I was still 18, a bright eyed and bushy tailed young student, I met a significantly older guy. And I started exploring sexuality as an adult in parentheses. And it was so exciting to me. It was exciting that uh, this older guy had interest in me. It made me feel very mature. And I thought, okay, what I'm doing now, like this is the real stuff. This is how adults do it. Um, and I jumped into it um, with full excitement. But after three years of manipulation, of gaslighting, of lying... Um, my self-esteem had taken a huge hit. I was greatly disconnected from my body and my felt sense. I didn't trust my intuition. I didn't know who to trust. Uh, and at some point, thankfully, that relationship ended. It was on the 1st of March. I don't remember exactly what year, but about five years ago, uh, that a little voice whispered to me, that it's enough now. It's time to put an end to this. And I did. And that's truly where the work began. Um, I had already been in therapy for my depression. Uh, I was done with therapy at that point. And then you get to this point where you realize, okay, the, <laughs> the therapist, the health system has determined me uh, healed. So now, okay, what do I do now? Uh, now I can expect myself to function as an adult. Um, and I realized pretty quickly on that obviously this, 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 this toxic relationship that had just ended left me with so many wounds that needed tending to. And I also saw so clearly that yes, I am healed. I am now at a place where I'm supposed to be able to survive as a human without external intervention. But what is it like to thrive? I was really desiring to find that, to find that bit of more that I'm, I was sure there was in the world. So I started working on myself and I really wanted to reconnect to that sense of empowerment. Uh, and I knew intuitively that my sexuality was the doorway into finding that, that my leading, following this path of reclaiming my sexuality was going to bring me that level of thriving and healing that I was so looking for. 
And one thing that I recognized at that time is that I had this desire to be selfish in the bedroom and to ask for what I wanted uh, because that's what I heard was the empowered feminist thing to do to be a selfish woman in the bedroom. But that led me to a bit of a dead end because I had no idea what even I would ask for. I had no idea what it was that I wanted. So slowly and gently, I started on this journey and I explored reconnecting to my body, bringing more sacredness to sex, especially with just myself, um, learning what it is I desire and love. I wanted to break out of my routines and I wanted to expand my orgasmic potential. And out of those learnings, uh, all this work that I've done by myself, but also in courses uh, that I've learned from others, I'm passing it on to you um, and hope that it brings you just as much as it did me. So that brings us to the codes. And the first code is know your body. So you might recognize how much we live in a world that encourages us to numb out. We're expected to push through sickness, to power through resistance. Um, we're supposed to just sit and scroll and watch TV and ignore whatever feelings we may be having. Because in a 21st century capitalist world, our sensations are an inconvenience. They slow down our productivity and therefore they should be suppressed or just move past. And same goes for our emotions, the same emotions that we repressed when we sit and scroll. I mean, hands up if you're guilty of that. I, I can tell in myself that I very much have a tendency sometimes when things get overwhelming to grab my phone and just pretend I'm looking at videos. Um, and that's, that's, that's encouraged. Uh, big emotions don't have a place in public, especially, but also even with our loved ones. We're supposed to wait until we're in an appropriate space to truly let ourselves feel and to let our bodies express the feelings it has. Um, and that's not always how it works. So I always like to say that um, when we push, well, I always like to say someone has taught me this and I love that and I repeat it often. When we push an emotion down, when we push a feeling down, it goes down into the gym. Let's say the gym is like down somewhere in your body closer to the ground. And uh, yeah, the basement, let's say. And in that basement, there is a gym. And then it starts working out. And then when you least expect it, at some point, that feeling is going to come back up and it's going to be stronger than ever. It's going to be totally ripped from all those bench presses. I don't go to the gym. Is that how you say it? <laughs> it'll be a lot stronger than it was before. So pushing feelings down is going to bite you in the ass eventually. Um, another way that in our society, just another way to show how suppression and ignoring and pushing away is so uh, normalized um, is, for example, just the sheer existence of anal numbing spray or lube. So anal can be a, a glorious thing. It can be very pleasurable. Um, 
and it's a sensitive area. Uh, it's a delicate area that needs to be dealt with with care. These lubes or sprays are intended to numb any sensation you might have there, which to me makes me wonder, okay, well, what's, what's the point then? If you're numbing the sensation, aren't you also numbing the pleasurable? Uh, and because you're numbing the pain that may uh, exist, you are putting yourself at risk for um, doing big, big, big damage to a very sensitive area. Uh, maybe the fact that there's pain there is a sign that you need to readjust and do something differently. Um, and like I just also uh, mentioned, you're also numbing the positive. So it's obvious this numbing is not benefiting us in the long run. It results in uh, us potentially getting injuries. It results in long-term illness um, due to long-term stress. Um, you might see it all over the world, a dependence on medication. Just look at the opioid crisis uh, and an inability to regulate our emotions. Mm. And I find it interesting. I'm, I'm just going to share it anyways, because I think it's such valuable, important information. Um, the stress response cycle is a it is a, um, uh, a cycle that still exists uh, that's the same as when we were uh, running across the savannah, let's say. Um, and back in the days, your stress response cycle would kick in when you were, for example, chased by a lion. Uh, you're chased by a lion. Uh, that's obviously not great news. The lion looks hungry. Um, so you are either going to fight the lion, you're going to flee from the lion, or you're going to freeze. And that is almost like the, the last ditch effort your body does, not necessarily to save you anymore, but just to make the passing more comfortable. You're going to freeze, maybe you'll think you're dead and leave you alone, or maybe it just kind of blocks you from experiencing the pain that is being eaten by a lion. Uh, and this stress response cycle uh, is still the same, except uh, the stressors are different. We're no longer chased by lions. We are chased by deadlines. We are chased by social expectations. We are chased by what have you, um, any kind of stressor that does affect you, but also does not actually uh, maybe have the potential to kill you. But there's so many more of them, and they are almost permanent. We are These days, we can be in an almost permanent state of stress. And same as when you're chased by a lion, your body is going to choose what, it, what are the most in function, <laughs> most in function? What are the most important bodily functions right now? Um, so sexuality and desire are not necessarily super important when you're being chased by a lion, unless you're trying to maybe seduce it <laughs> to convince it not to kill you. But I don't think that happens very often. I doubt it would be very effective either. Um, so your uh, sexuality is the first thing to go. But now in this 21st century world, where we're almost in a permanent state of stress, we are going to not experience the fullness of our sexuality so often because we cannot finish the stress response cycle. And what do I mean when I say 
finish the stress response cycle, because this was basically explaining the concept of a stress response. Um, the cycle normally, back in the line example, would finish uh, or end when we successfully fought off or ran away from this lion. And you can still see it in a lot of animals. What do animals do then? They will shake. They will shake their bodies and bloop, they're out of it. There's a very clear end to the stressor. Uh, these days, we, because as I mentioned before, we don't allow ourselves to experience the full range of our emotions and mainly to express them, we don't finish the stress response cycle. So something like having a good shake, a good cry, a good scream can be something that helps you finish the stress response cycle or a good dance. That's my favorite. Um, but yeah, so all of this, this was just a little extra, extra little asterisk to give you some extra context. Mm. This numbing out is not positive and it kills our ability to fully experience all the pleasure, all the sexuality, all the desire and all the sensations we have, we have access to. So how do you level up in the bedroom by knowing your body? It is by increasing your felt sense with uh, mindfulness and uh, simply a big sense of curiosity so by allowing yourself and getting curious about all your sensations and all your emotions, you open yourself up to feel more pleasure. So that is, am I going to use that as the metaphor? Maybe I will. So let's, let's take that anal numbing spray that I earlier mentioned. Um, so imagine you've been living your life with an anal numbing spray and then you choose to, uh, uh, yeah, stop, stop spraying that, or you choose to get rid of it, you might then feel more pain. But at the same time, you're opening up the possibility to feel more pleasure. So I'm aware, I don't think this is the best analogy ever, but you get my point. Allowing yourself to feel everything, to take in everything, is allowing yourself to feel more pleasure. Uh, and you can or increase your orgasmic range or orgasmic potential significantly by allowing yourself to get curious and to be more sensitive to your felt sense um, with mindfulness. And in this case, with a lot of curiosity, uh, you can increase your orgasmic range basically by um, first putting on your scientist hat and getting really curious about your own behavior patterns. So some of you may already know this or simply just recognize it, but our, most of us have a um, fairly reliable strategy to getting to orgasm during self-pleasure. We also have like a general way of doing things. Maybe there's a specific fantasy you often rely on or maybe there's that specific position that you'll lie in or that specific stroke amount of pressure maybe you always have porn alongside it doesn't matter exactly what it is a lot of you will recognize that this same habit let's call it that this same habit was formed either in childhood or in your teen years, and has stayed fairly consistent since then. 
And when we repeat a certain set of behaviors over and over and over again, you create an incredibly strong neural pathway. So your brain very strongly associates all these little elements I just mentioned, all these parts of your self-pleasure habit. It associates them to orgasm or to pleasure. But when the neural pathway gets so strong and so big, it's like it's like a um, mm, like a path that's being um, etched into the ground by like uh, a cart running through that little ditch over and over again. And as the cart keeps going through that ditch, back and forth, back and forth, it gets wider and deeper and deeper and deeper and it sinks deeper into the ground. All the little maybe side paths, they get pushed away. And that is what happens in your brain. Because that connection is so strong, it does not prioritize all the other connections, maybe all the other ways that you would be able to reach orgasm or that your brain would associate with reaching orgasm. So an easy way you can assist yourself in increasing your orgasmic potential is by becoming aware of this pattern and for 21 straight days doing exactly not that. This is how you allow yourself the space to form new neural connections And at the beginning, you might notice that orgasm is very elusive. Um, And that's fine because you're in the process of building these neural pathways. And this also helps you increase uh, all the pleasure you feel during partnered sex. Because of all these new neural connections, there's a greater ease of orgasm because your brain is more open and more receptive to reaching orgasm in a way that maybe is not exactly that specific habit of yours. And that allows your partner some space to also get you to orgasm because it's very difficult to replicate the exact circumstances that help you get to orgasm in that habit. So now you've given your partner (laughs) a fighting chance too. Uh, And this new awareness of your felt sense that you can get by... um, including mindfulness, incorporating mindfulness into becoming more aware of your felt sense means that you can communicate to your partner more easily. This resensitivity means that you can experience more pleasure. And when I say resensitizing yourself to the felt sense with mindfulness, that might sound a bit vague to you. Um, And that's fine. That's okay. I understand that. I think I would have felt the same way. Uh, But I have a suggestion there that you can try, you can start experimenting with to help you uh, kickstart that. And that is a little mindfulness meditation that you can incorporate into your daily routine. Uh, You can maybe make that a part of your uh, self-pleasure routine during those 21 days that you are not going to form your habit, uh, follow your habit. And that meditation really is as simple as sitting down, taking a few deep breaths, and then starting to notice what sensations you feel inside your body. And then speaking them out loud. So the first time I did this, I barely felt anything. I felt maybe the, uh, a cold breeze on my skin, and that was it. 
But as you keep doing this, as you stick to this practice, you'll notice that there's more and more and more sensations that you become aware of. Um, and by speaking them out loud, you're strengthening the left brain connection, which really uh, helps with that building of the new neural pathways. So that's a very gentle, easy way that you can get started with code number one, know your body, which opens up the space to expand your orgasmic potential and your ability to experience pleasure in general. And then it's time for code number two. Because of code number one, you feel more. You've moved past numbness. You experience more sensation. And as we know, sensation, or now you know, sensation is the language of the body. Your body speaks to you all the time. And she does that, or he does that, or they do that through sending you sensations. And now that you have more sensations, your body is able to reach you more. Uh, you've got more messages coming through. Now is the time for you to start interpreting and translating these messages. And the most important message that you need to start recognizing or that you can start recognizing is the word no. Code number two is know your no. So when you start recognizing when your body tells you no and you start enforcing the no of your body, that is how you build a relationship of trust. So this enforcing of the no is merely um, allowing yourself to stop whatever it is you're doing when your body doesn't want something or not do something when your body doesn't seem to be on board. And I can explain this a bit further to you by uh, telling you about a concept called the window of tolerance. So the window of tolerance is a wonderful thing that we like to be in. Let's say when you feel resourced, when you feel taken care of, your physical needs are met, uh, you're happy, you're healthy, you're in good shape, that is the, the place in life, the space in which you are able to handle challenges. So as an example, if you work in an office maybe, and one morning everything went well, you had, a, you had a nice night of sleep, you had some good breakfast, the journey to the office was smooth, you get there, and as soon as you get there, that one passive-aggressive colleague, there's always one, don't lie to me, you've got a specific person in your head right now, <laughs> that one colleague comes into your office or your cubicle and, um, yeah, gives you a passive-aggressive uh, uh, question about some work that you're supposed to have done that he doesn't have yet. Um, on that day where you're feeling good, you will be able to relatively calmly, I can't speak for you, of course, maybe, I don't know what your history is with this colleague, but generally you'd say that you can just respond to this colleague and say, oh, actually check your mailbox, it's there, that thing you're asking for. And you go about your day and everything is fine. Imagine you didn't get a good night's sleep 
and you had to skip breakfast because you were in a hurry and traffic was bad and you're hungry and you looked at your bank account and you don't have that much anymore so you don't want to spend money by buying food on the road and you end up going into the office hungry you're hangry in fact if then that same colleague comes in with that passive aggressive comment boy i don't know what you would do but i think i would probably cry uh (laughs) I'm sure there's other people that would get very snippy. Uh, Maybe other people would um, not have too much of a reaction, but just feel like shit the rest of the day and feel this interaction looming over them like a dark cloud. That is an example of when you are not in your window of tolerance. So by consistently meeting your physical needs... So that can be um, getting enough sleep, eating enough, having enough water in your system, um, getting something warm if you're feeling cold or taking something off when you're feeling hot, going to the toilet as soon as you feel the need to pee rather than holding in your pee until that one job is done. I'm not judging. I do that secretly all the time by accident. But all of those little things... As you keep meeting those physical needs, you make sure that you stay within your window of tolerance. And the beauty of that is that the longer you are in your window of tolerance, the bigger your window gets. And when you consistently stay inside your window, you are basically telling your body, I've got you. I'll keep you safe you first start listening to this no and you respect it and then um, you might notice as you start on this journey as you start really tuning in getting more familiar with your body and listening to the no and recognizing your body's cues you might notice that you say no a lot in life Um, you might feel like, oh shit, am I ever going to be telling people yes again? Because all I'm doing now is staying inside and drinking water and making sure my temperature is all right. Um, But as you keep sending your body the message that you've got its back, the trust grows. And as your body learns to trust that you will meet its needs, it creates space for Yes. And in a sexual context, especially, I think this is really important because our bodies are wise. Our bodies are so wise. They can recognize danger better than we can often. And by learning to listen to your no, you can um, prevent yourself from getting into some dicey situations sometimes. We don't always have the opportunity to realize that we're going into a dangerous situation before it happens, unfortunately. But in a lot of situations, there might be some nudges already. uh, And listening to your no can help you prevent getting into those situations. Uh, It's also a great way to just recognize that you are in danger from um, causing yourself pain because your body isn't ready. So often we push ourselves into specific sexual actions before our bodies have come online and before our bodies are ready and listening to that no can prevent that from happening. So 
Doing all of these things is creating for yourself a framework of safety. Do I feel safe within my body? And when I say safe, I don't mean do I feel like this person I'm in the bedroom with um, is not a um, someone who's going to harm me. I mean safety as in, ooh, do I feel 100% on board with everything that's happening right now, with everything that's continuing to happen? Um, and does my body feel like it is on board? That framework of safety allows you to say yes. And when your body can count on you to say no, it is so much easier to give a full-bodied yes. And the beauty of that is that knowing your no and giving the space for it and having that relationship of trust gives space for your yes, which is the third code. Know your yes. So a nice way that I like to check if my body is a yes, of course, after first checking if it's not a no, because I think the no, you need to have that no in order to feel for that yes. Um, and a nice way to check for that yes is to check in with your pussy. Or perhaps if you don't have a pussy, you've got a different set of genitalia, you've got a penis, for example, checking in with them. And um, for this little story, I'm going to speak mainly uh, from the perspective of pussy, simply because that is my main lived experience. Um, and um, I need to actually speak to some penis-wielding humans about this and feel if they recognize the same, but I'm pretty sure that you can use whatever genitalia you have um, in this example and it will yield you similar results. So when you have increased your sensitivity to your body with code number one uh, and you then get to a place where your body trusts you, code number two, your pussy will start to speak. Also because you recognize, you feel your sensations more, right? So it's more easy for her to get her message across. And when your pussy is on board with something, boy, let me tell you, you will notice. So a way that you can really start building a relationship with your pussy, which further strengthens her ability to tell you how she feels, is to ask for consent before any type of penetration. So that is asking your pussy if she is on board before you insert any tampons, before you put in your period cup, before you allow fingers to penetrate her, before you move into penetrative sex. You wait and you check and you ask, and then you proceed when you get a yes. As a result, it further aids in that relationship of trust that you're building with your body. And also, it will result in more pleasure. So I'd like to call this the pleasure-filled chain reaction of yes. Uh, and that is because of the anatomy of your pussy. Some of you may have experienced this before, I know I did not know this until I started with my uh, very um, thorough coaching certification course uh, where we did everything that I might possibly train a client through, we did ourselves. 
um, I experienced it there for the first time and my mind was blown because your pussy is self-absorbing when she's ready. Self-absorbing? What? Like a self-cleaning oven? No, no, no. Well, I mean, the pussy is also self-cleaning, so I guess that is a self-cleaning oven in that sense. (laughs) Um, But what I mean is that I personally don't penetrate myself with toys anymore by pushing. I simply place the toy at the opening of my pussy and allow her to absorb it when she's ready. And trust me, simply holding it there and waiting for her to suck it up works. It is real. And that to me is the ultimate confirmation that she's ready for it. And now I'm not telling you to do this with your tampons and your period cups because I think it would maybe not work as effectively, but with sex toys, yes. And experiment doing that with a partner's penis too at some point. And that I think also has to do with how our pussies also have a lot of tissue that gets engorged when aroused. Um, so the penis very obviously has these these bits of tissue that get engorged and get stiff and get hard. Visually, it is very apparent. Uh, and these same types of tissue pussies also have, and that increased blood flow results in more pleasure. So what do I mean with the pleasure-filled chain reaction of yes? It is that when you take your time and wait until you get that yes, as a result, you'll see that while you're waiting for the yes, the arousal builds, the engorgement happens, which means there's more pleasure. And then as you go into each new step, your pussy is going to be even more ready because the area already feels more pleasurable. So you're going to want more deeper fat whatever you might want to get you to a climax, that is the pleasure-filled chain reaction of yes. Um, And another little interesting tidbit that I want to share is that our pussies actually, it's not a, it's not a, like it is a stereotype and a cliche that women need more time, that pussies need more time, Uh, but it is true. It is 100% true. Um, There's even a little tendon somewhere at the back. It kind of connects to around where the cervix is to like an area somewhere in your abdominal region. And as you get more aroused, it literally pulls the back of the cervix up and away, uh, thereby reducing chances of um, any penetrative object bumping into the cervix, which can be rather painful. So taking time results in more pleasure. And this increased sensitivity and having a relationship with your pussy really helps you to differentiate between a, you know, I don't mind it, uh, or a no, or a full-bodied yes. And that's what we want to go for. The more you wait for that full-bodied yes each time, the more pleasure you experience. And this gives you options. This gives you options and an awareness of just how much pleasure is possible. So my invitation to you is to experiment with getting consent before penetrating, but also um, to set some time aside and to start asking your pussy 
whenever you need to make a decision. Uh, To pick a day or two where you are going to ask your pussy before you choose anything and then follow whatever she tells you. Whenever she says yes, it is a go. And while that may feel scary at first, trust me, experiment with it a little bit and see where it brings you, see what magic that brings. And what I love about that practice is, especially if you follow the codes in that order, is we've been doing work to getting our bodies to trust us. And now it is time for us to trust our bodies that Our bodies know how to keep us safe. They know how to tell us when we might not be, but that our bodies also know how to get us into pleasure. I truly believe that pleasure is our natural state of being and that our bodies know how to get us there. So by experimenting and following our bodies, yes, and asking our pussies what to do, that is how we get to a turned on life. And again, like I mentioned before, I'm using pussy here, but please, I know that this works for whatever set of genitalia you're packing uh, in the same way. So we've had code number one, know your body. We've had code number two, know your no. Code number three, know your yes. And now we're at code number four, know your words. So I also like to think of this code as find your voice or communicate with love. And basically what this means is that we now know our bodies, our no's and our yeses. And here comes the time to start involving others. And if I look at my own personal journey, um, I did go through a time of kind of abstaining from sex and dating because I was so busy with learning to get to know my body and checking my no and my yes. So in a sexual and dating context, it wasn't until a little bit after that I started to learn how to apply these findings about myself to others and how to set boundaries with others. And trust me, I know if you're not used to it, setting boundaries can be scary. It can be scary to tell someone, no, I don't want this. Uh, If someone in the past maybe has responded badly to you setting boundaries before, it can be scary to ask for what you want. And it can also be scary to um, ask for understanding and restraint when you are training to check in with your body for consent before moving into anything. You know, it's one thing to constantly ask for consent with yourself while you're self-pleasuring, but add another person to the mix. It's It can be tricky when you're getting swept up in the flow or in the, but what do they want or what do they expect? So I just want to express um, deep compassion and understanding if setting boundaries is something that's scary to you. And to that, I also would love to say that boundaries start with you and it really is like a muscle that you need to train. Um, I was actually just uh, watching Sex, Love and Goop on Netflix uh, earlier today and there in the very last episode towards the end, uh, they speak about like asking for what you want and asking for others to be considerate of you. Um, and there 
they also gave the example, I think maybe with like coffee, said maybe first in life, it starts with if someone wants to give you a black coffee, but you actually wanted some milk in it, starting to ask, oh, no, I'd like some milk in my coffee, please. It's little actions like that that help you train that muscle of setting boundaries. And then when you get to the bigger and the scarier, in parentheses, uh, boundary settings and request askings, request askings, that's not correct. You know what I mean? Um, By having those little actions, you train yourself to ask for those bigger things and to set those bigger boundaries in the, the vulnerable and intimate environment that is the bedroom. And that's how more ease will come. So what they shared in that episode with the coffee example, I think that's exactly what my um, recommendation for you already was before I even saw that episode, is to allow yourself to build confidence with setting boundaries by making small requests. Small requests, so like the coffee or... um, maybe if someone is tapping their foot and it's kind of annoying you just gently asking hey do you mind holding your foot still things like that help you build confidence in your ability to ask for what you want and what you need and to set boundaries but it also helps you build the confidence by seeing that oftentimes people are very willing to make a a change in order to make you feel good and especially in the bedroom Uh, people are, that's the whole point, right? For everyone to have pleasure. So people are very willing to meet whatever small request you have. And now if we look at the codes that we've gone through, know your body, know your no, know your yes, um, all of this has helped you map out more clearly what it is that you want. And as I said before, I think the most important thing to do is to find what you don't want um, because that's how you stay in your window of tolerance. That's how you keep that precious relationship of trust alive with your body. And then as you do the work, you find your desires and start asking for them. And the result there is, once again, a pleasure-filled chain reaction. Because when you start, when you've gained the confidence in, in asking for what you want, you know what you want and you know just how good it feels when you get them because you've been experimenting with yourself uh, and your body is telling you it's a go and your pussy is telling you it's a go. Then by asking with enthusiasm, uh, this helps your, this is the biggest turn on for your partner, whatever partner you're with at that moment. Um, it's a huge turn on for them for you to ask for what you want. Then when they happily start giving you what they want and they witness you receiving that thing, they witness you brimming with pleasure, that's an even bigger turn on. So you get turned on by getting what you want. They get turned on by seeing you get turned on. They are inspired to ask you for what they want to. And all of that results in an epic buildup towards epic lovemaking, which also really helps reinforce that confidence in you to keep asking for what you want and to see that your partners are so willing to meet your needs in the bedroom because it's in their benefit too. It uh, it benefits everyone. 
And when you are in your power by setting boundaries, by asking for what you want, when you are in a state of pleasure, when you are your authentic self, you become absolutely magnetic to your partner and to everyone around you. This is an energy, this magnetism comes with you even outside of the bedroom. And by opening the lines of communication, like I mentioned before, you're inspiring them to ask for what they want too. And in general, opening these lines of communication up opens you up for more love, more connection, and more pleasure. So yeah, you can answer this question in your head. Does that sound good or what? Because <laughs> it sounds pretty fucking good to me. Um, so that was know your words and just, oh, it brings all of these other codes together. Um, so I feel all the first four codes, they all really lead into each other and they all really work together. And then the last code kind of expands even further outside of the box that is sex. The fifth code is know that this is about so much more than sex. So my training, I've, um, I'm, I'm training in a, a tantric integrated approach. Um, and what I love about tantra is that other than with a lot of classical religions, typical religions, the most common religions, where they teach us that in order to reach enlightenment, holiness, a life free of sin, or whatever to find our place in heaven, in order to do all of that, we need to step away from the earthly desires. We need to step away from the sins of the flesh. We need to aim our eyes to the sky and, 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 and focus on all of that. Uh, but in Tantra, they believe that anything can be a road to enlightenment. Brushing your hair can be a road to enlightenment. Um, and so this is the classical Tantric um, belief. And then taking... Uh, uh, sex as this road to enlightenment, that is basically what Neo-Tantra has done. So while the base is definitely classically tantric, um, this um, focus on sex is what you might call Neo-Tantric, but it still really adds to this idea that anything can be a road to enlightenment. And I feel like sex is such a beautiful uh, entry point into this into all of our self-development because our bodies and our sensations, that is how we have access to all of the divine, all of the beauty that's out there in the world and all of the things that God, the universe, whatever you'd like to call it, um, has given us. And uh, I also really believe that when we feel good when something feels good. Um, and in general, when we are in a state where we feel good, when we're living in our skin in a good way, we're happy with ourselves, that we will do good things. Good things also feel good for a reason. 
is my humble opinion. I once, um, uh, a housemate of mine had gotten COVID and during that time she couldn't taste. Um, she didn't have any sense of taste. She lost weight during that time because uh, she just couldn't get herself to eat. And that really helped me realize, yeah, shit, food tastes good for a reason because we need to eat. So if good things feel good, in my eyes, for a reason, then why do we shy away from something as good and as pleasurable as sex? Um, and happy people do good things. Therefore, people who are living a turned-on life, they will have deeper and more meaningful connections. They will show up to their work with more energy and more vigor. They will choose to do work that makes a difference. They will make more of a difference because they're happier, more fulfilled people. So by us all striving to live a turned on life, I believe that we will create a new earth. By healing ourselves through pleasure, we inspire others to do the same. And this is our sacred mission. So that is why it is about so much more than sex. That is, uh, it's so important to know that doing this sex work really is the portal into all self-development and it will ripple out into all areas of our bodies of our bodies, of our lives. It will ripple out in all areas of our lives. We will show up uh, to work with more confidence. We'll show up in our friendships with more confidence. We'll show up at our family gatherings with more confidence and more happiness and inspire others to do the same, to communicate more, to have more pleasure. Um, so it is about so much more than sex. And these are the five codes. I'm all fired up now. <laughs> Um, these are the five codes. Know your body, know your no, know your yes, know your words, and know that this is about so much more than sex. And that really is why I have chosen to do this work, because I've done it, I've, I've, I'm, I'm still doing it, and I see the benefits, I see how it affects all parts of my life. Um, I see how deeper my connection with my intuition is again compared to, like I shared in the beginning of the episode, the aftermath of that relationship where I felt so disconnected from my intuition, from my femininity, from my body. I was so numbed out. I could, I could barely feel anything whenever I started to discover my felt sense more. Um, and I feel the fulfillment and the satisfaction it brings me. So doing this work truly lights me up and is the most pleasurable thing to do. Uh, and I love guiding others on this path. So that is where my business came from. That is where this podcast came from. So I'm really hoping that this inspires you to, to try it out. Uh, uh, go apply these codes to your life. Go experiment. Go do the, the mindfulness meditation. Sit and name your sensations out loud. Um, start checking in with your no. Start making sure that you are always within, or as much as possible, at least within your window of tolerance, meeting your physical needs. If, if need be, set a timer for yourself, uh, like to go off twice a day to ask you if your physical needs are met um, and start asking your pussy or your penis or your genitals what it wants. Let it lead you into that pleasure-filled chain reaction. Communicate it to others, thereby inspiring them to communicate as openly with you and allow yourself to see how this expands into all areas of your life. 
And should you ever feel like you would like some guidance on this path to do this work, I'm here for you. You can send me a message. Uh, you can send me an email to elizabeth at lizhuntercoaching.com. You can find me on Instagram, liz.hunter.coaching. Whatever way, I'll put all the means of communications in the show notes. Um, but yeah, this... These were the five codes, and I can't wait to hear. If you start applying this stuff, always let me know uh, if there's anything interesting you would like to share or you'd like to ask. Um, I didn't mention any books this time, so I won't add these non-existent books to the show notes. Um, yeah, and if you ever feel like there's something you would like to have discussed on this format, let me know. I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, and thank you for bearing with me through this episode. I remember sharing in the beginning that I was a bit nervous, <laughs> but then the, the content and the mission and the drive I feel around my mission took over. And um, I'm really glad I'm able to share this with you. So I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you, hear you, speak to you very soon for the next one. So have an amazing rest of your day. <laughs>